Hey everybody, and welcome back to another Pink Bike Podcast. I'm Mike Levy, and this one is being recorded in sunny Tucson, Arizona, where I just happened to run into Mr. Josh Kissner, who is the Director of Product at Santa Cruz Bicycles. Today we're going to talk about VPP suspension, bike design, and product development, product cycles, bike pricing, and supply chain. I think we might also get to the syndicate and downhill bikes, but first, Josh, You've been at Santa Cruz for a little while now. How how long have you been there? And I know your job title, but what do you do? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been there let's, about 20 years now. Um, so when I started, I think, God, it was like 25 people there or something. You've and seen some change. Yeah. Now it's uh, 350 or something ridiculous like that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm sort of the head of the product management team. So we got like a couple e-bike product managers, a test rider, uh, shop tech, and a couple other people. Yeah. So, Would you say you sort of like guide how these products look and how they perform and stuff? Not look, but our team, my team basically, we work on defining what the bikes are. So yeah. suspension feature set, geometry, um, and spec. So all the parts that go on it. Um, and then engineering and sort of industrial designs separate, yeah. you know, we're kind of work together, but yeah. we're, we're separate little units. How many bikes would you say that you and your team have been responsible for over the years? Cause I mean, just this year, you guys have debuted five new mountain bikes. It's been a busy year. Some, yeah, something ridiculous. I like had to that. list them out in front of me here, so I didn't forget. <laughs> yeah, no, this year is ridiculous. I think, um, or last year is ridiculous. This year will be a little bit mellower. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe on average, I think we've done three or four every year. And I've been Jeez. the product manager guy since, I don't know, 12 years or something. So yeah, plenty, a bunch. Yeah. For sure. But it's like a whole, you know, our, our team's just a small part. Like yeah. there's a ton of collaboration with the engineers. Um, we're, we are like one big team for sure. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you remember when we came to what I think would probably be the old Santa Cruz headquarters and we were, we were swinging that V10 frame <laughs> at that table or the vice or whatever it was? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Was that the same time you guys did the Nomad Aluminum versus Carbon? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah ba bashing into the concrete yeah. uh, test lab fixtures. Yeah. Yeah, I do miss the old building. It was more... Uh, it was, I mean, we're still quite blue collar, but that place was really blue collar. That place had sure. character. <laughs> yeah. It was like an old cannery or something like that, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so tons of little rooms and... Uh, everyone, it was like a little maze and yeah, that was actually the only time in my life I had my own office. <laughs> and now that we've got 8 zillion people, no one gets their own office anymore, but yeah. it was good while it lasted. Dude, I remember walking around that place and looking up into the rafters and seeing countless prototypes that never saw the light of day. Strange looking weird things with weird suspension designs. Yeah. Neat yeah. Stuff. I mean, definitely like, uh, Plenty of experimenting going on back then, and we never get. It seems like we don't never get rid of any of the prototypes. You like, shouldn't. Yeah, it's like thirty years of kooky prototypes. For sure. Yeah, those things are interesting. You should and probably our, do and some of those. And they're stupid bikes as well, which are yeah even kookier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So since we're talking prototypes, I want to talk uh, basically just like a basic outline of product development. So you guys debuted five new bikes this year. If we just pick one of those bikes, if we pick a high tower, it came out 2022, but it's a 2023 model. How far back did you guys start working on this thing? Usually we're nowadays, I think we're about two ish years from the start of the project to when it sees the light of day, uh, which is a little longer than it used to be. But just like everything else, uh, it takes longer to do stuff nowadays. But yeah. yeah, yeah, usually about two years from when maybe an engineer first starts uh, m moving pivots around and, and whatnot um, yeah. to when it gets there. And and now we need like a bunch in stock before we launch a bike, which takes forever. And 
Yeah. Um, so that's part of the timeline. Yeah. How does the how does the process begin? Like, let's say the previous high tower. I mean, that bike worked pretty well too. So, are you guys sitting around? You're looking at other things that have changed in the industry as well too. I imagine, and you make a checklist. Is that kind of how it goes? Yeah. So we start with the product definition. We call it. Um, I think typically we all as a group know what we want to change by the time we get to that product definition. You know, we've all been riding the high tower for a couple years. We know what we've changed on all the other bikes. Um, and I think we all kind of know what it's going to look like, but yeah, so I'll, I'll write a product definition saying, here's what we want to change. Here's how much travel should have. Here's what I think the geo should be. Um, and I send it out and then we all argue about it. That's the fun part. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's super collaborative. Not to the point of being like designed by a committee, but everyone gets a say. You have to defend your position. And, you know, we get to a point of agreement pretty quickly, usually. I've, I've got questions about that. Yeah. If I was part of a team designing a bike, I could see myself being a real selfish bastard. I want a bike for me that I like, you know, I like a, whatever I like. That's what I want. Yeah. But you guys, you're a pretty big company these days. You guys sell bikes everywhere. So how does that play out? Like in your group, are you guys arguing like you want a sportier bike and so-and-so wants a more act bike? And like, how does that, how do you balance those things? Uh, yeah. I mean, to a I mean, I do get a bit more say nowadays just because yes. I've been there so long. But <laughs> but no, I think we're usually on a fairly similar page. I think some of the things we argue about is like, I'm 5'10", and we have other people that are six foot. And mm. it's like, who should a large fit perfectly? Yeah. And what does that look like? You're talking about like eight eight millimeters of reach. And yeah. that's the sort of thing that we're like, I don't know who, who should fit a large perfectly, like what size person human is that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so we'll haggle about some stuff like that, a millimeter here and a millimeter there, but, um, or like the fifty ten, I think is a good one. Like, mm -hmm. uh, I was, I'm our biggest MX, uh, cheerleader, I would say in yeah. the group. And I did have to, do some convincing and you do live in Squamish. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right? I don't want to ride like a full 27, five, one thirty bike, uh, there necessarily. I'd probably die. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. So yeah, like it, it does in those sorts of cases, it can get a little, a little exciting, um, yeah. internally, but, um, you know, at a certain point we've got, our product development group and yeah, we might argue with other people or trying to convince them, but at a certain point we have to do what we think is best because that's literally our jobs. So yeah. yeah. When it's a, I'm not sure if this is the right way to put it, but like a continuation model, yeah. the high tower, like you've made some changes, but it's, you know, it's a pretty, pretty similar bike. Are you guys making aluminum mules for that? Or do you just go straight to carbon? No, for sure. We make, aluminum mules because we're we're messing around with suspension quite a bit so we'll have you know i think we did uh, three high towers maybe in aluminum yeah and usually not futzing with uh geo too much but sometimes yeah um we'll try different head angles and whatnot yeah um but mostly it's like how much anti-squat do you want what's your leverage curve look like and and yada yada yeah okay all right you mentioned it's about a two-year cycle from start to finish. Have you guys looked at any ways to speed that up? Where I'm going with that is we're seeing people, some people's prototype facilities, tubes, and they're making their own lugs in-house so they can kind of speed that up. Is that anything you guys have looked into? I don't think that that is our, our big holdup, to be honest. Like, we can smash out a prototype and... Two or three weeks. Oh, really? So it's that not, quick? it's, yeah, it's, we do it in house. We have like a machinist and a, a fabricator. So yeah. the making of the prototypes, not the holdup. It's like, you got to make three and ride test them. And then the engineer has to like engineer it and make it look good. And yeah. then it has to get made and tested and 
all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. But we did have for a minute our our fabricator was was like out sick for for like a couple months, and that was like super traumatic. We had to yeah. we had to slow things down a bit. <laughs> do you do you read reviews, Josh? Does your team read bike reviews? For sure, definitely. Yeah, um, I think yeah. Not just obviously we're particularly interested in ours, but I think I try and read every review that comes out from a major publication. Did you read our high tower review? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Did you see the part where I maybe called it kind of boring a couple <laughs> times, but then to be fair, blew my socks off. But yeah, yeah. I guess my question is. All of the bikes sort of, they're safe bets. You know, you, you choose the right one for wherever you guys have designed it to work well, and it's going to work well. But they're also like, they're not super exciting for as, as well as they work, you know? So I guess my question would be, from your point of view, would you say that you're cons- being conservative or does that speak to how dialed you guys are? As my dog is just chucking up a <laughs> hairball in the background here. Um, well, there's a couple of things. Uh, are we conservative? Yeah, probably in in a lot of instances, I would maybe call us conservative. But we also make a ton of bikes, right? Like we've got the Nomad, we've got the Blur, we've got the 5010, High Tower, Bronson, Mega Tower. Like we've got bikes in all these little slots. Yeah. I think we we can really make each one exactly what we want it to be and you're not trying to like straddle a fence or cover too many people with one thing. And I think, you know, the high tower is our middle of the road bike. It's kind of meant as an all rounder, moderate terrain, normal rider, and yeah, I don't know, maybe that's inherently uninteresting. Well, I thought it pretty freaking interesting to start riding <laughs> to me. I felt silly. Like once I, once I said that earlier in the review and then I started riding and I felt silly for, I guess, you know, what we, what the media kind of gets pulled into sometimes is looking for like the most exciting thing and like, holy crap, it's got an idler and a CNC this and like, it's got 14 linkages and like your bikes are consistent. They yeah. Yeah. I think we're, we're pretty keen on like simplicity we we really don't like gadgets and gizmos um i don't think oftentimes those things kind of add to, i don't think they add to the experience they're just something interesting and i don't know i feel like a lot of riders don't really want that gadgetry either um the, the very large majority of people want a bike that just works yeah yeah like uh, no weird standards. You'll be able to change the shock uh, 10 years from now and still find one that fits. Yeah. And yeah, it doesn't need to be, uh, I, I don't think they need to be interesting. We have, we've got a couple interesting bikes like that 5010 that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Like that's unique. Like, not a lot of 130 mil mullets out there. I think no. it's super fun. Um, but yeah, that's unique. But yeah, I don't know if you need your 145 mil bike to be zany in any way. Yeah, that we makes just, sense. We just like concentrate on, honestly, we've been concentrating a ton on geo lately. Like every little millimeter, we got our size specific chain stays and seat, st- seat tube angle, which takes way longer because you're coming up with five geo charts instead of one. Yeah. And doing your best to figure out what each of those should really be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of fine tuning that goes into a still boring bike, I suppose. Well, Freaking works on the trail. <laughs> Jeez, I had to eat my hat after that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's got a yeah. box, got a sweet color. Works pretty good. It does have a sweet color, Josh. Yeah. What is that color? I don't know. Trans the uh, translucent. I don't know. It's red, gorgeous, purple, though. something. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, industrial design question. Yeah. All your bikes look the same. That's not a, I'm not trying to insult them, but like from, from 10 feet away, I like, is that a high tower or, you know, a tall boy, tall boy? What is that? And I, I think I understand, like, I'm going to use words that I don't know here, like design identity or, you know, (laughs) whatever it is. 
it's obviously on purpose, but it'd be neat if they were like different looking, you know? I think it's only somewhat on purpose. Uh, the bikes themselves are driven by the pivot points, right? Yeah. So we, that's where we start. We don't start with industrial design. So it starts with engineering. Here's where the pivots go. Here's where the seat tube is. And then the industrial designs like connect the dots. Literally. Make it look good. And so make it work. it's, it's, they don't get a ton of freedom because we are so kind of like function driven. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and there's only so many ways to skin a cat. And it's something we talk about all the time is you're like, okay, do we make this one look the same as the, this other one? Or do we do it in this other way that we think is not quite as good? Mm-hmm. Um, just to make it look different. And for me, I'll, I'll vote functionality every time over uh, yeah. making it look different. So Different's going to be heavier swoopy tubes that don't need to be there, strange shapes that don't need to be there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What about, what about down tube storage? How hard is it to put down tube storage on a bike, Josh? <laughs> Shockingly hard, apparently. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. I asked our engineers to to make it a project a couple, you know, a few years ago, and it took a while to sort of. Honestly, it took as much effort as as like designing a bike. Um, Crazy. Yeah, it's wild. I I was not just cutting a hole in the top of a tube, is it? I think that part is actually super easy. It's like all the rest of your mechanism, making sure it doesn't rattle. uh, You know making it manufacturable, all that stuff like was harder than I expected. Um, but no, I mean, it literally, they, they changed the layup and, and, and CNC cut a hole and that, that part of it's fairly chill, but then you develop bags and, and all this stuff. But yeah, the cool thing is you develop it and then it can go on all these bikes. So it's, it's like, yeah, it was a pain in the butt, but now we can use it forever. Yeah. Someone much smarter than me had a conspiracy theory I want to throw at you. Okay. All of these down tubes on mountain bikes are getting <laughs> so much bigger uh-huh. to normalize big down tubes on e-bikes where the batteries are. So e-bikes don't look funny. I mean, I like that. It Maybe-ish, but... Uh, I don't know. I think anyone who's ever had like a a bike with down tube storage knows it's, it's pretty rad. I mean, I've always been a backpack guy because I need, I'm not willing to go without a pump and a tube and a Mm -hmm. windbreaker and all that. So I've never been a back, like finally I can ride without a backpack and it's killer. Yeah. Yeah. It's like life changing. Especially you and I live in Squamish where one minute it could be as warm as 12 Celsius. <laughs> and the next minute, it could be 2 Celsius and pouring rain. So Yeah, you need definitely want to be somewhat prepared, for sure. Yeah, It's nice and sunny here, though, isn't it? Uh, it's, I think in Squamish, it's raining. In Santa Cruz, it's really, really, really raining. And here, yeah, it's like, I don't know, 20 degrees Celsius and sunny. I got a little... Maybe a tiny burn today. It's You're great. Good. You got some color. <laughs> we both look good. Yeah, exactly. Get rid of that squamish paleness Ugh. that we usually have, eh? I won't show anyone my legs. <laughs> um, let's move on from down tube holes. If you could standardize one thing, Josh, on a bicycle, across all brands, you know, I'm thinking seat post size or bottom bracket design, dropouts, head tube, that kind of thing. What do you... What would you make the same across all bikes? Oh, man. Right? Mm. I mean, I I guess, like, maybe seat post size would be a good one. It seems absurd that we don't all use the same seat post size, really, like, because there's very little. There's not really, like, a functional difference between a 30.9 and a 31.6. Just somebody at each company chose something years ago and we're all sticking to our guns oh actually one other thing the like 200 versus 203 oh, rotor gosh, size dude. that's brutal yeah that kills me <laughs> we need to pick one for sure <laughs> yes i think i think 200 is certainly more logical i would be i would be jazzed if we stuck to that i need the extra three millimeters of rotor <laughs> diameter josh you've seen me ride <laughs> do 
I don't think bike companies talk to each other, do they? Like, why do you just bring up Specialized? How come you don't just bring up, maybe not Specialized, but bring up a bike company and be like, hey, guys, why don't we just all do 316? Hey? Uh, Yeah, we don't really talk that much. Um, You guys need a WhatsApp group. For sure. It's actually cool because now Pawn owns like 8 zillion bike companies. Yeah. And we actually talk to each other, which is great. Like, we don't, we don't do anything we're we're not like capturing synergies um (laughs) we're we're like from a business sense so much but we're um we can like run things by our buddies at cannondale now and be like hey what are you guys doing what do you think of this thing and and it's actually awesome you can ask them where they get their stems and i don't know it's 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 actually been really cool learning experience um yeah because it's not that often you get to dig into what previously were your competitors and ask them like what's going on behind the curtain, and that's sweet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another perspective. Yeah. Very different perspective too. Yeah. Very different brand for sure. For sure. Yeah. Josh, the world would be a better place if giant and specialized in track and everybody just like talk to each other and you know it's not that much. People are going to be angry at me. Because it, I don't think there is all that much difficulty in it. Like anything in this world, like if you have a car that breaks down or a computer that breaks down or a dishwasher that breaks down, like you need specific parts for it. But I don't know. It just I feel like I just picture this beautiful, magical world where you guys all go to lunch together and decide things. I mean, I think that could exist. Like I think we at Santa Cruz use just a bunch of standard stuff, right? Like, yeah. Our shocks are normal sizes. Our headsets are normal sizes. Bottom brackets are threaded. There's nothing zany. Like, everyone could do that. And, I mean, that'd probably be good. (laughs) Hey, all those brands out there listening to this, just do it. Follow. Use all the things Santa Cruz is using. Josh is saying. Problem solved. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... it's, Everyone always comes up with some new problem to solve, but... um, any problem that's big enough will be solved in a standardized way, right? Yeah. Like we got Boost now and everyone uses it and it's great. Solved a problem and it's a new standard and that's fine, right? When's the Super Boost? Uh, hot, no, you just did a high tower. I'm trying <laughs> to think of a bike you guys didn't just debut. Uh, yeah, good question. Super Boost V10. <laughs> Yeah, and we, we we actually do that. I think. Uh, I think yeah, yeah, that's the one we do. <laughs> okay, let's talk suspension. You guys, obviously, you're known for VPP suspension, and it's evolved a lot over the years. It does a lot of things well, but I want to ask you a real hard question. Can you give me an example of one or two things that you wish it did better? Mm-hmm. 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 Um, well, what we've been working on lately like with all of our last round of bikes is lowering the Mm anti-squat which you know like basically makes your suspension less affected by pedaling and i think in the past we've been a little heavy on in that realm and we've been working to lessen that it kind of like smooths out the ride a little less herky-jerky you got to be careful not to go overboard you can end up with a soggy pedaling bike. But yeah, that's like, uh, I would say, uh, the number one thing we've been trying to make better. And I think, I think we've, we've legitimately succeeded in that changed a lot over the years. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, For sure. Um, geez, another thing Uh, we might, we're even, we're making our bikes a little bit less progressive as well. I think we've gone, Maybe a touch overboard on a couple models in that um, over the years, but yeah, I don't know. Okay. Can I ask you about the S-shaped axle path from many, many years ago? From like <laughs> many twenty-five <laughs> years ago, something yeah. like that. I don't know. I think that was. I mean, honestly, I've been there twenty years, and that was like before my time. I think that was some some stuff that they talked about when VPP was first introduced. Yeah. So I, I I don't know who could really tell you about that, but I think it was like, yeah, maybe someone was looking for a, 
Maybe somebody didn't even understand what they were, what they were marketing or why VPP worked quite as well as it did. Um, and that's like a maybe semi-intuitive way of yeah. explaining to people what it maybe does. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, well, not realistic. The reason that I asked Josh, though, is because unlike anybody else in the bike industry, a few years ago, you guys came out and said, ah, oh, that S-axle path stuff, meh. <laughs> You know, yeah. you, you, you kind of said, hey, maybe it's not all that important. And I don't, I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time I saw a bike company come out and say, oh, that thing we did, that was kind of silly. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone anyone at a bike company looking at this, the honestly, anything they did 20 years ago, it's horrific. Like, yeah, hindsight. We had yeah. like 300 mil reach bikes with... <laughs> Soggy suspension and sixty-nine degree head angles. So and, nimble, though. Yeah, God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, our bikes from twenty years ago would be death traps, right? Like nowadays. So yeah, you got to be able to look back and say when things were wrong, for sure. I had a Super Eight with a White Brothers UD one eighty fork on the front. Did you break it, or is it still? Did it live? Uh, I cracked the swing arm, uh-huh. like a lot of people did. <laughs> And then I had it rewelded, and you can imagine how that worked out. Uh-huh. I'm just a kid back then. <laughs> I don't know anything. I also had a bullet with a Dorado, mm. which was probably one of my favorite. I mean, like you said, it's not going to compare today, but like looking back at the time, it had yep. a progressive shock on the back. A Dorado was, you know, built way too heavy, but like that was a hell of a bike. No, yeah, no, like that stuff was blind, mind blowing for me when I came. To the company from goddamn hardtails yeah and you're like wow this is you can just run straight into rocks and yeah <laughs> i turn awesome. my brain off <laughs> totally yeah some intense four ply tires that take 40 p- minutes to put on eight psi <laughs> and yeah it's it was, i mean it, yeah it was cool back then for sure it's cooler now but it was it was fun do you have a favorite bike from way back then i mean it has to be the well I'm going to say V10 one, you know, like the original with the floating brake. And I think it weighed 50 pounds and for sure undersprung with triple eight. And yeah, I couldn't believe what that thing could do. We had a local rider, Perry, if you're listening, Perry, I haven't talked to you in years, but Perry used to have one of the first gen V10s. He worked at a shop that sold Santa Cruz. He had a Dorado on the front uh, he built it up with like super light aluminum rims with like Maori tie spokes. Oh my god! <laughs> oh yeah! And I remember the front end of this thing. Like I, m- I might not think it's that slack now, but I remember thinking the front end of this V10 was so far out there. There's no way that this fork is going to absorb shit. <laughs> it was yeah. amazing. I think those were 67 degrees. Isn't that yeah. crazy? What yeah, time does? Yeah. Yeah. Now World Cup XC bikes are slacker, eh? My freaking gravel bike is that slack. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, somehow it worked, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Things, have, things have changed so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to go back to VPP. I wanted to talk about adjustable suspension. That's okay. been a, a topic on PB that we've been discussing a fair bit lately. Um, I want to see more adjustment on that. Can you explain? I think you and I have, have spoken about this before. Can you explain why the adjustment range on a VPP suspension system is relatively small. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's about three and a half millimeters of BB height and I don't know what it had angle like a, it's not about th- the numbers. Third of a degree. Well, I mean, I think to a certain extent there's, a, I think BB height is actually a really I think it's a really small sweet spot. Um, like if your if your flip chip gives you ten millimeters of height change, that's like crazy. Like, yeah, I, one of those is gonna suck. <laughs> Very possibly somewhere for sure. <laughs> or both of them. They both yeah. might suck. Maybe in the middle is where you want to be. Um, so we'll haggle about three millimeters of BB height, and and honestly, like. We'll, we'll do the syndicate rides mid mid flip chips. 
sometimes. So that th for them, like that four millimeters is too much. Yeah. I want to be in the middle. And I felt like that with a couple of our bikes too. So, um, more head angle change would maybe be cool, but I actually feel like our, our small amount of BB height change is a really nice spot to be. It's also what I would consider like a attitude adjustment on the mm -hmm. bike. So you think about, you're not just like lowering your BB three and a half millimeters. You're basically raising your rear wheel by uh, twice that basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's so a good way to put it. So you're changing the, yeah, like your weight bias of the bike more dramatically than, than you might think you're sort of like fore aft bias. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you want to be in a more defensive rearward position or I always do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Um, and so it, it can make a really big difference, uh, in that regard, like more than, more than you think. Yeah. When I, I emailed you that question, I mean, that must've been like three months ago. I emailed you that question and I said, Josh, I'm writing this op-ed about adjustable geometry. And the op-ed that I was going to write was about how bikes that have adjustable geometry, the window of adjustment needs to be like way wider. It makes mm -hmm. no sense. Mm -hmm. I write, I write this damn article. By the time I get to the end of the article, I've explained why the bikes shouldn't be oh really yeah yeah because did i read did that come out no did it I never went out okay. because i canned okay. it because okay. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense but what i what I, I mean i knew this i've talked about this before but what i eventually got around to saying was that when you have an adjustment window that big you can end up making the bike perform how it wasn't intended mm -hmm. i guess is what you're saying like you know the high tower doesn't need a 63 to get head angle and it doesn't need a 68 degree head angle. No, it needs whatever head angle it has and like right around there, I guess is the point. And the same with suspension. And that's why I asked about the VPP adjustment and it is so small. And that's my roundabout way of saying, I've kind of come around to agreeing with you. Ooh, guys. I like that. Yeah. I like I that. Yeah. Small changes. You want to be able to change like fine tune, uh, how you want the bike to ride, but we don't want to make it so uh, you can change it into something totally different because we make all of the things that are totally different. Just buy one of those. Buy a mega tower. Yeah, sure. We make that. <laughs> you don't have to like, yeah, anyway, you get it. But yeah, but yeah I think if you're trying to make, like we spent a uh, shocking amount of time on tiny little changes to geo and suspension and we can't in good conscience put a 10 millimeter BB height change on a bike. Cause it's just whack. Yeah. You know, as long as we don't screw it up, Yeah, but you know, we've been, I don't think anyone's doing totally whack geo anymore. That needs, needs band-aids like that. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys considered uh head tube inserts? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, the team, the syndicate's been on like a, angle steady reach adjusty thing for a while um i think it's a i think it's a i think it's a cool thing you know like geo is i'd say solidifying a bit like i don't know if people need a two degree range anymore but uh, maybe a little bit of reach yeah. uh, change would be i think the majority sweet. of bikes there's probably like an outlier bike in your lineup where that's like like a mid-travel thing that's crazy capable that could that could have that. But I feel, yeah, the majority of the bikes, for them to be good, I think they need to be more pointed. Like, not steeper, but, you know, like more intentional. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's I think it's cool. It's something we talk about. Um, and, you know, probably something we'll, we'll do uh, at some point. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I actually honestly think that we would be more excited about it, like a reach-adjust headset. Um, just because, uh, I think that matters a lot. You know, we try and make bikes really close, fairly close to each other, make a lot of sizes. They're only like 20 to 25 millimeters apart in reach, um, which is tighter than most companies, but you can still end up between them if you're mm -hmm. a certain height, if you're picky, you know? Yeah. So we're trying to make bikes for picky people. Yeah. Are you guys riding other people's other brands bikes i assume you're out there yeah. testing everything yeah 
You guys buy them? For sure. Yeah. We used to be able to get, you know, we'd like call up one of our dealers who sells X brand and us. Be like, hey, can we buy one of those things? Um, and we get a you know sweet deal. <laughs> Nowadays, no one's giving out sweet deals to Not anyone. So, so we just like bust out the credit card and whatever. You can... Usually we break them. We always say we're going to sell them later, but we end up like smashing them to see insides how strong they are and what's going on inside. Yeah. 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 But no, that's fun. I mean, bike, everyone's bikes are getting better. It's, it's, it's annoyingly good. How yeah, it's good great. Bikes are now like we get these freaking test bikes in like you guys, you send me the high tower. I'm like, look at this thing. It's boring. Like, <laughs> I like, I hope something's wrong with it. So I have like something to write. Like sometimes we think like that, like we need to, look for things, you know, and these bikes come in and the freaking bike is like, it doesn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You know, we have to be more critical of course, but I've always said in the past couple of years, things have transitioned from like, you know, 80%, 70% of bikes being good to like 95% of bikes being really fucking good. Mm. And it's more of a story about where does this bike best suit and who does it best suit rather than this bike needs to pedal better or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Everyone's like, f- for sure. Everyone's making good product. Um, I think we try and I think where we try and stand apart is is some of the detailing and durability. Um, I think we're we have a hard fought reputation for for that. Like the bikes don't break, and yeah. if they do, or something on them breaks, you can easily get it fixed. Um, so yeah, like I think it's in some of those sort of side details where you can mm-hmm. stand apart, um, or like little geo tweaks, but yeah, I mean, it's a competitive market out there for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know what bike you haven't released yet is the V10 mm. 2018. And then you did the mixed wheel in 2020. Something like that. It's been yeah. a while. Yeah. Mm hmm. Are we going to see one soon? <laughs> I think we have to. I mean, it does seem like it's been a while since we came out with one. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> um, how, much, how much feedback does the syndicate provide for you guys? I, the reason I asked the question, a couple years ago, I was talking to a, a product development guy, and I asked him about their downhill team and how much input he, he like quietly said to me absolutely zero right. he said these guys just go fast as fuck through the things and like they use them for some reliability testing of course but like greg is looking for different things than i'm looking for <laughs> yeah yeah um we actually get we don't get feedback from them much on other bikes but we we do listen to them quite a bit on the v10 um greg's very product oriented and um you know, I don't think he always sends us in the right direction, but um, you'd be stupid not to listen to him and so much and, knowledge and check it out. Um, and you know, it's been cool. We got Lori and and Jackson who are new to the V10 and just getting their their your first first gut check feedback on the bike coming from other directions. And yeah, it it makes we. we we listen, and we also have a guy on staff who's a really high-level rider, Kieran. Um, so he does 90% of our V10 testing. Oh, wow. Uh, I, I don't – I used to ride down the bikes a bit more, but I'm <laughs> Me too, Josh. old and scared now. So. <laughs> We've moved on. <laughs> we know better. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe is maybe now is the time when we should be living on downhill bikes because we need it. Yeah, a little extra – softening of the blow right yeah exactly. for sure but yeah i think like i don't know i can help develop a a bronson or what have you but when you come to top level race machines you got to be like a top level guy to give good feedback realistically yeah yeah what about when you're developing a new mid-travel trail bike are you guys ever getting joe blow to ride this thing like you know we have joe blows we've got like a whole gamut of of people in house we got like kieran who was a world cupper and then me who's average and then you know some slower people and i think we have plenty of uh perspective within those yeah okay all those folks the thing is you can't go like 
totally outside to people you don't know or or totally trust because it takes a while to get good feel for bikes and give good feedback. You can't just like realistically hand somebody something and expect. Yeah. Well, same with you, like you've been testing bikes forever and you've ridden, I don't know, too many thousands or something ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah, you, you've got perspective and that takes time and it's experience. The back, the back catalog gives you that perspective. Yeah. Like you're saying that it takes time to get that. If you just start, it's like, who would have thought the new high tower is really good? <laughs> you're yeah. Like, of course it is. Yeah. Or like they're setting it up kookily or. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. Uh, let's talk about the past couple of years. They've been weird. They've been weird for a lot of people, but they've been weird for some companies too. There's been some crazy supply chain things going on. Um, take me back to, 2020, 2021. How did that affect you guys? Terribly. It was awful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think like when the pandemic first hit, everyone, I mean, yeah. Do you remember when that happened? And it was like, it was so they were weird. taping off city parks. You weren't allowed to go mountain biking anymore. Dude, it, was it was crazy. Wild. You're, you sh- but you should be outside in the sun. Now we know. You exactly. Know? It was so, very weird times. Nobody everyone, knew. Everyone freaked out. You know, I think we, along with a lot of people, you know, kind of like, uh, pulled back on ordering stuff. I think, I mean, we had the factory closed for a while. Uh, wow. That was like a mandated thing. How, how long is a while? Like months? God. Um, you guys, maybe a month, maybe you a guys month on that factory. Don't you No, I'm talking about like in Santa Cruz where we, um, assemble oh, all the bikes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think our, our like frame supply was always pretty generally pretty good, but no, it, I mean, in Santa Cruz, we put together like 80% of all Santa Cruz's that you see in the world. So it's super important to us. And yeah, California had like a, you know, no, no business to shut everything down um luckily we got a exception just because transportation you know anything that was transportation you got an exception so but anyway um so yeah we kind of like stopped ordering stuff we stopped making bikes for a little bit just out of necessity yeah Um, and then everyone realized holy crap uh, turns out everyone wants bikes right now because there's literally nothing else to do. So you ramp it all back up, and and then you you know the rest is history. I think we all know like how hard everything became to get, and yeah, yeah, it was like wild west for a couple of years. Yeah, it's it's not just consumers that are not able to buy their twelve speed chains, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was my job for two years. Is like. You know, I'd get a message from our person, person, um, and oh, we're out of forks for this bike. Find something, and I'm just like calling around, trying to find whatever I could find that'll go on there. Saddles, grips, like mayhem. This is absolute mayhem. Yeah. Um, yeah and then you got to order. You know, we were ordering stuff like two and a half years ahead of time because lead times got so bonkers. So it, it, yeah, I mean, we're still, it's still mayhem really, but, um, I think it did help, uh, a lot of the big assembly factories in Asia, I think, um, struggled a lot. Um, so you get into the situation where you're trying to build a bike, say whatever, uh, Joe Schmo bike company has hired an assembly factory to put their bike together. That, that assembly factory orders in all the parts for it and then they're going to make it, but so they got like 95% of the parts, but they can't get the shock, which is a pretty common situation. Now they're sitting on a bazillion dollars worth of bike parts that can't be turned into a bike. Yeah. And that happened for two years, basically. Um, so I think it was really, really hard times on a lot of people. We're pretty agile because we do stuff at our HQ yeah. and we're able to like just just order stuff from QEP, honestly, if we needed it. Um, you guys were ordering stuff from totally. QEP? Yes, wow. absolutely. If you got like 99% of a bike... Yeah, just get the shit. Just 
buy it. Yeah. You know, we do it all the time. Call up wherever we need to get it and make a bike. And I don't think a lot of people can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Did that drive bike prices up, Josh? Uh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the mayhem of that drove bike prices up for sure. Like you're flying everything in your maybe substituting a part um, that's more expensive for the thing that you you originally spec'd. You're buying it from freaking QVP and then shipping prices are skyrocketing Mm -hmm. and all the bike parts just got more expensive. Um, I think it was like every, every other day I'd get a email from a vendor saying, here's your new price list. Effective today. Best of luck. <laughs> Good luck, guys. <laughs> I know you ordered this stuff like two years ago, but now yeah. it costs you this. And, you know, you can't like haggle with them at that point. You're just like, I want, I need the bike parts. <laughs> yeah. We had prices changing. We would get bikes in for review and we would film a video, record the video. I would say the bike costs whatever it costs. And then by the time the video went up, days later, the bike prices changed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's awful. I mean, I don't like to see it either. The, the bikes are really expensive and I, it, it will turn around. Like shipping prices are down. Commodity prices are down a bit. Like I'm starting, uh, like there's exchange rate stuff. That's, that's getting better. And I do think it's going to start getting a little bit better. Can prices go down? Like when you, when someone is paying X for something, I'm being pessimistic here. Mm-hmm. When someone is paying X for something, you're not going to tell them like a year later, oh, actually, you could pay X minus 10%. Or maybe, maybe you can. I think I they know. can. I think they can go down. Like we we I have like a margin we need to make to run a business. But like if if our costs go down, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll lower a, a bike price for sure. You guys got slaughtered in the comment section on that <laughs> high tower review and i want to defend you guys so that bike that high tower i forget how much it cost it was a lot of fucking money josh yeah but people were stuck on the fact people should look at spec first of all like 100 percent. like look at everything be careful with your money but people what i saw was people getting stuck on the fact that it had gx axis on it and forgetting the fact that it had freaking wireless drivetrain on it and carbon fiber wheels, I don't give a shit that it says GX. You know, if I'm a consumer, yeah. I personally, my perspective, I'm looking at this thing and it's got a wireless drivetrain. Like it, they, it kind of should be called something else, if you ask me. Right. Um, and they're equating GX to like GX mechanical, mm-hmm. which, let's be honest, isn't great. You know, neither is NX, <laughs> but the Axis stuff is awesome. Oh, I thought you were like anti or nah, something. That's Henry. Henry's oh, dumb. Okay. Henry, you're not dumb, <laughs> but he's come around. I've convinced him. Um, no, I'm full on. I'm invested in, uh, emotionally invested in wireless drive trains. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. In that case, you know, that, that bike's that particular bike, it's got wireless, got carbon wheels. Those are both things that are really expensive um so yeah it it does add to the price quite a bit we also make a version of that bike without the carbon wheels like twelve hundred dollars less or we make a bike that's similarly priced with exo mechanical aluminum rims cc frame factory suspension so there's the options right like yeah maybe if you don't care about wireless you would pick a different one of our offerings and that's fine that's totally reasonable. To be fair, I think also that we had too many expensive bikes in that test. There were a lot of expensive things in that mm. test. And I think people were just like looking at the prices and they, they may have unloaded on you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're used to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah. Um, all right, Josh, we're going to wrap up here. But before we go, I want to ask you a difficult question. You're going to go out. You're going to buy a mountain bike tomorrow. It's not going to be a Santa Cruz. Mm. You could pick a small builder, maybe. You could pick somebody big who's doing some cool shit. What mm. kind of bike are you getting? What model? Why? Shit. Yeah. That's rough. 
Um, you know, I'm going to go, maybe I'll go off. I mean, I'm, I'm just like a lot of other folks where I get to ride a few other people's bikes, but in general, I'm also reading reviews. Um, so I think from that perspective, like everyone seems to be super into that trek. Yeah. Um, and I think it does some cool things like the, they eliminated some of the maybe kooky stuff that they, yeah, they used to do. Yeah, they, I'll say it. Yeah, they <laughs> did. It made the bike way fucking better. It's got a normal shock on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think yeah. That's, that's, that's like up my alley, I reckon, like pretty straightforward. Um, by all, you know, by your accounts, uh, a good bike. So yeah. I'll, I'll believe you. Are there any small builders out there doing anything neat that you're interested in? I can't, I can't say without riding it. Um, I've tried a, f- a couple things in the last couple of years that I was excited about, and maybe there were some good reviews on. But I absolutely hated. Like, I went and bought a bike with my company card. Um, I, I bought a bike <laughs> like a year ago that everyone was super jazzed on, mm-hmm. and I was legitimately excited. And I was like, "This is." This is like the first bicycle I've purchased in a long time by choice. And I was yeah. like, I want to try that thing. It was so hateful. I hated it. I hated it. And I was just like, well, it makes me feel a little bit better. Like yeah. this thing that I thought was cool. Maybe it's not that cool. Do you ever ride bikes with idler pulleys? <laughs> this was an idler pulley <laughs> oh, bike. <shit. laughs> I was getting that vibe, dude. I know it. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it was an idler bike. Um, Did you have problems with the idler? No, no, oh. no, no, no. It wasn't a problem with the idler. It's okay. just uh, um, yeah, other things, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think I think we can get into this pick. We we are our own greatest critics for sure. Like legitimately, internally, and we read reviews of bikes. We're like, wow, that thing. That seems. Like they really did a great job. Um, And we don't always totally know. We'll buy stuff that's super interesting to us. And sometimes it it is really good. And sometimes we really hate it. Um, And I guess it's your job to be knowledgeable on what's happening. Yeah, we try. We don't get to ride as many bikes as you do because they don't send them to us for free. But um, (laughs) yeah, we try and pick and choose of of what's what's interesting. I would say usually it maybe makes us feel better about what we're doing. You know, we often spend a lot of time thinking about like what we need to do better. Um, but I think the bikes are getting pretty good and yeah, yeah, you ride some other stuff that has a good reputation. And if we feel like our stuff's better then that makes, that's great. Yeah. It's not always the thing, but that's often, maybe often I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Josh, let's end it there. Thanks for coming over. I'll let you go. Yeah, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you too.